It's a beautiful day at the homestead. Hello, and welcome to Beyond the Tower, an insider's look into the Omni homestead. I'm your host, Jesse Bruton. Today, we're speaking to Brian LaFountain, naturalist for the Omni homestead. Brian, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. My pleasure. So why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Uh, well, I'm a master naturalist, as so many people would call it, but I think of myself as an entertainer and also a spokesperson for nature. That's really what, what I am at heart. So what exactly does it mean to become a naturalist? A naturalist essentially is a way of life. Uh, it's people who are completely immersed in all aspects of the natural world, whether it be ecosystems or the sky or the universe or how things work in microclimates and uh, biological terms or weather terms, et cetera. It's just, it's all encompassing natural world enthusiasm. And I think anybody who gets into this field feels that they're born to do that. It's a way of life. I've noticed everybody that is involved in this and all of my colleagues, it's their calling. It sounds like kind of a beautiful dichotomy where you have a little bit of the science of the biology, but there sounds like there's a spiritual nature to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. They're intertwined. Some people think the science world is on this side and the spiritual world is on that side. Absolutely not. They're both completely intertwined. It's a very moving way to be in the world because you sort of understand things in a natural sense, which makes you stay in a sense of awe with the things you encounter. So that's what I love is the perennial awe that I feel of my work. A new orchid, what is that species? I've never seen that. I must understand more about it. And how do we fit and belong with it? And how come it's here? And how did it survive so long? That's how I view everything. Everything is a great, big, amazing connection. How can that not be spiritual? So how were you originally drawn to this? I'm from the Adirondacks of upstate New York, uh, a very pristine, very ancient ecosystem called bogs is where I grew up. Lakes and bogs. The Adirondacks is essentially ancient peat beds of plant life from millions of years ago that formed uh, bogs, which are unique and ancient ecosystems that have everything from carnivorous plants that eat bugs to very unique, specific only animals that can live in those ecosystems. So it's kind of an alien world uh, compared to other places in the world in that it has very indigenous things you won't find anywhere else. In the Adirondacks, when I grew up with my father in the Native American traditions that his family had of living off the land, finding water with dowsing rods, which are like branches of apple trees and weeping willows that will bend when you stand near water. We grew up with that sort of a sensibility as a child and living off the land was your duty. And as a family unit, we shared gardens and it was a communal life sort of a thing. So I was immersed in it from birth. Plus, it has so many unique ecosystems there that you were surrounded by everything from bogs to lakes to the woodlands, and it was my playground, and it was all I had. I lived a very modest existence as a child, not a lot of technological things in my home, so it was basically what I was used to, and it was my surrounding and my people and my family, and that's still how I live. Don't have TV in my home, so I live that way. So how did you make the transition from being a naturalist in spirit to being a professional naturalist? Well, when I started at the homestead, that was back in 1987. It was with the fly fishing department when I was much younger. And I was drawn to it because I used to play in that gorge when I was younger. I found the gorge when I was probably 19, and I couldn't believe how stunning it was. So when I heard about an opening for a position here, I just immediately said, well, I'm the guy that should be there. I was working in food and beverage for a while and uh, working with Sam Sneed when he was here at his tavern. And no question, I had to be in that gorge and I quote unquote auditioned and I was there that day. So I look at it as it was supposed to happen. 
So before ever coming here to work for the homestead, it sounds like you spent some time here as a guest. As a guest, I lived in the area. I lived, I always lived within five miles of the homestead. When I first moved here from the Adirondacks, we were always right within five miles of the homestead. So it was always this entity. It has its own personality. So it's kind of like a living thing. The homestead is like a living thing to me. It's not a building. It's the homestead. It's the oldest resort in America. And it has its own energy that's sitting over in that big meadow there, the homestead. So it was always in my peripheral. I don't know, it just drew me here. It's a very small town for work. And I couldn't believe that my passions could be found right here in Hot Springs. I never dreamed I would still be here all these years later, but I'm so glad I am. So you mentioned a moment ago that you started here in the fly fishing department. I've heard that you have expertise in something called hand fishing. Is that right? That's true. I have video of it. My father taught us how to hand fish. And I think when I was five years old, they call them brooks where I come from. Uh, we would get into these cold brooks near my grandmother's house, and he would show us how to get into the river, the brook, and how to sort of crouch in the water. And you use your hand as a fish, literally. You shape your hand as a fish. You move your hand as a fish. And you move your hand around the rock to where the fish are. And he says, do you feel it? I remember him holding my hand. Move your hand like a fish. Do you feel the fish? I'm like, yes, it's right there. He said, see, they're not scared of you. And he would say, touch it. Do you feel it? Embrace the fish. And he would have us push the fish and touch it. He said, they're not scared of you. Now pick the fish up. I'm like, what? I can't. He goes, pick it up. So I would pick the fish up. That's how easy it was. It's not some big cryptic way of getting fish. It's approaching the fish in a natural way in front of the rock where they sit in the shadow of the rock in the river. And you could touch that slimy fish. He said, well, pick it up. I said, I can't pick it up. He said, pick it up. That's how it happened. People are saying to me, going down the road, that kid is picking fish out of the water with his hands. You know, it didn't seem like a big deal to me. Now it really is. I have a funny story about that. My mother and father met in the Adirondacks and... My mother's father didn't really approve of my dad because he was such a rugged person. He wanted somebody a little bit more uh, upscale, I guess you would say. But what really sold my grandfather to my father was the fact that he could hand fish. My grandfather was in awe that my father could catch fish with his hands, so he had a huge respect for my dad. And mom just recently told me that. That's how they got together. When you started working as a naturalist professionally, can you tell us, do you remember the very first lesson you gave? I can't remember the very first lesson. I know that I was with one of the executives here on staff, and I just remember looking at him, and he just kept smiling because I just was rambling on about every little thing I saw. I thought that I had to tell him everything. So he actually had to tell me, stop, I believe you, I believe you, because I knew everything about every creature, every plant that was around me. And he said, wow, I can't believe you have that much knowledge. I said, well, it's just what I do. The first memorable one, I wasn't actually a professional naturalist at the time, but he was at the homestead. That was Richard Gere. Richard Gere was here in the 90s to film a movie with Jodie Foster and James Earl Jones. Oprah Winfrey was here. And uh, I was a part of that production. I had took a little sabbatical from the resort. And one of the children on the set had poison ivy on his body, in his face. And Richard Gere, that was his son. This child was his son. And he had to hold this child. And he was very nervous about poison ivy on this child. And he said, I don't want this poison ivy thing to happen. So I explained that I know what poison ivy is. I can show you what it is to avoid it. So I brought the entire staff out, the whole crew and cast, to find out what poison ivy looked like in these woods versus the non-poisonous plants. And I told them the little rhymes you have to learn about poison ivy. Leaf, that's three. Leave it be. Leaves of five, you will survive. Berries white, poison sight, never bite. If vines look hairy, 
be wary, all these little rhymes. They thought that was very cute. So that's the one I bring up that's memorable. People could attach that to Richard Gere. You know, he's somebody big, you know. So I do tell that once in a while. And so what was the name of the movie that they were here filming? It was a Civil War drama called Summersby. That's an S-O-M-M-E-R-S-B-Y. It was a Civil War drama based in Tennessee that they made our little village here, uh, Tennessee. And it was here for about four months. And um, they all descended here and created a town and everything where this beautiful story unfolded. It's a very touching, uh, very moving story based on a true story. And uh, it was shot in 1992 and came out in 93. If we watch closely, might we catch a glimpse of you? I'm in 13 scenes. Go find Waldo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I imagine being in your line of work, you prefer to make your office the outdoors rather than indoors. Oh my gosh, yes. Matter of fact, my house has a plaque on it. It says, welcome to the outdoors in, I-N-N. But when you walk in my house, it looks like Yoda lives there. It's all, you know, mosses and, and rocks and wood furniture that looks like it's made of um, stumps of, front of wood and, and uh, what do you call it, driftwood. So my house is made to look like the outdoors, like you've just walked into the outdoors. So other than being able to spot poison ivy and nasty things in the world, what are some other benefits to what you do? Number one thing that I've realized after touring so many thousands of people, the comment that comes back to me is, basically, I've never seen the world like this before. Or, you've inspired me to look at my world more clearly and more closely. And that's a, that's a big honor to me. Some people say they feel like they were born again. They say, I've never seen the world like this until I've been on this tour. That's a really big thing to say to somebody, I think. So it keeps me propelled to keep doing this. It sounds wonderfully rejuvenating. Absolutely. Absolutely. So something that I noticed in the spa at the homestead is in the aqua therapy suite, there's a relaxation area that features imagery of waterfalls. Is there some sort of science behind why that's such soothing imagery or is it just beautiful? It's all that. In a bigger way, which I didn't really understand until later in life, it really is all just science. Um, Even emotions are based on chemical combinations. So they just seem sort of ethereal and kind of, you know, spiritual. But all those feelings are all chemical makeup from fear to excitement to love. All those things are chemical combinations. So everything in your body is a series of combinations that occur. And some things stimulate those combinations. And that would be the natural world, like water, for example. Your body is mostly water, and little primal things in the gorge that people don't notice, it's sort of subliminal, the sound of rushing waters is just like that of being in the womb. You spent nine months in water, and you floated, and the sound of rushing water in the bloodstream is that, if you hear it in the womb, sounds much like rushing water in the woods, so it has a sort of subliminal calming effect on you for that reason. Plus the ion content of water. Water is very negatively charged when it's rushing and splashing. Negative ions calm people. They don't realize that until you get around water. The ocean edge, people feel so calm there. They can concentrate better. Um, It actually levels um, moods. It brings out passions in people. It causes excitement. It brings up the dopamine levels in the body. So you can naturally feel excited just by being near it, not just seeing it. So um, it is a chemical thing happening as well. Negative ions, you're positively charged mostly. Humans are positively charged. People tend to have an overwhelming sense of balance around water because it does exactly that. It balances you, and it brings out things that you probably wouldn't feel if you weren't near that water just naturally. And as we talk about the negative ion situation with water, there's a very good reason why that works if you look at it on a scientific level. 
Negative ions are proven to promote alpha brain waves, which increase awareness levels. Hence the reason people tend to concentrate better when they read or study when it's pouring rain outside or during a thunderstorm, which I always kept my dorm rooms and windows open when I would be studying. Adding to that point, office buildings and closed rooms with people quickly become saturated with high levels of positive ions. So individuals that work in these conditions show far higher levels of seasonal affective disorder or SAD, depression, stress, and anxiety as compared to those that have access to outside air and nature. So as my grandmother used to tell me when I was young, when in doubt, go outside and think it over. It'll clear your mind. It really is true. So when I've asked people what their favorite activity on property is, I have been told that the Cascades Gorge hike is the can't miss activity. What is that hike like and what's the sort of plant life that you encounter when you're walking through there? Well, it's unique. It's, uh, I sort of have a leg up because I work in an environment that's considered a microclimate. Uh, the water that flows through that gorge is constant and stable with temperature and supply, so it doesn't dry up and diminish, which would cause plant life to diminish. It stays constant all year because it's a spring coming from a deep spring in the earth, and it causes prolific plant life. It's almost, as I described it, an embarrassment of riches because there are over over 300 different species of wildflowers alone in that gorge in a very short period of time. In that flash of spring, if you're not there for those last two weeks of April and the first two weeks of May, you miss out on an unbelievable amount of wildflowers, including nine species of orchids. Now, when you have orchids, they're at the pinnacle of the healthiest ecosystems in the world. And this gorge is actually considered tropical and semi-tropical based on the number of species alone. So to name some of the species is a daunting task, but there are so many that are medicinal. People forget that 90% of all medicine, all medicine comes from plant life. And the base of every single medication is natural. So even though we talk about things being sort of pharmaceutical or man-made or synthetic, those are lofty terms of human ego. The fact is, when you get down to the bottom of it, it all comes from nature. So we have to thank nature. All of our food, all of our medicine, even yourselves come from the natural aspects of this world. Come to the mountains of Virginia and discover the tropics, too. I love that. That's right. <laughs> I understand you've made some incredible connections with guests while on the hike. Are there any stories you'd like to share about that? Yes, and when I get asked that question, my hair actually raises because they were very emotional and very beautiful, and I'm very proud to share those. One specifically that uh, I bring up is very humbling. I teach people something I learned as a child, which is how to make whistles with the caps of nutshells and and acorn caps and things like that. It's a very unique uh, way of communicating. Uh, You can be heard very far into the woods when you make the sound of a whistle from a cap of an acorn. And uh, I found that bottle caps and other things would make the noise as well. So, of course, the child in all of us wants to learn how to do that. And I show that to all these thousands of people over the years. And it's really funny I bring this up or you bring this up because to this day, people will walk down the hall that I haven't seen in 15 years and pull a cap of an acorn or a nutshell out of their pocket and say, I still have mine. It happened just last week. It's very touching to me. But one in particular that really moved me was when I was contacted by a family who had been with me some years ago. They had a, a family experience out west where two of their youngsters did not return from a experience they had. A lot of people were involved in these activities in a large family reunion, and two of the youngsters did not return from their fishing experience. Somehow it was, they were discombobulated with the group. And the children were not found 
that afternoon. It went into the following evening, into the following morning. Um, a vehicle had pulled up at their base camp with the two children the following morning who were fine, which was very relieving. Uh, and the children were found because they had learned how to make these nutshell whistles from me. I was very honored by that. But they actually sent me the bronzed acorn cap that they had used, and I still wear it on my neck every day all these years later. It's about 19 years ago. So that was, that was pretty touching. One of recent that really moves me still is the fact that I'm colorblind. Being a naturalist, it's a very unusual way to be in the world, so I've had to compensate in other ways by shape of leaves and the scent of things. But I was on tour about four weeks ago with 25 people, and a gentleman was talking to some friends over the loud waterfalls. I could hear them having a conversation. And he was saying to the gentleman, holding his glasses in his hand, yes, I can see the colors with these glasses. Now, me personally, I have purchased those glasses before, but they didn't work for me. I was told by the doctors that it was, uh, I was a part of a group of people that would never be able to see the colors. There's a very small percentage that won't, these glasses won't work for you. So I kind of wrote it off and said, well, at least I tried. Well, the gentleman said, why don't you try these on? And I said, oh, I will. And so I put the glasses on and I looked out into the waterfalls thinking I wouldn't see anything. And immediately to my right, there was a small bush that was, it looked like it was lit up. And I said, what color is that? Because <laughs> I'd never seen that before. And they said, pink. As I'm looking around to the group, I remember looking at their faces. And to me, the color of human skin has always been that of sort of concrete, very pale. And I saw all these, as I now know, rosy complexions that looked almost like rose petals. And their eyes looked like little jewels or something. And I still get emotional talking about it. I was seeing color for the first time. Well, why is this emotional to me? Because the people that were experiencing this with me were 25 in a group, and they were all experiencing it at the same time. It happens that a lady on my tour was an optometrist, and uh, ophthalmologist, I believe, and she was really moved by what was happening. And of course, as I described that, I went into the ugly cry because I was very emotional. I'm seeing flowers. I'd never seen purple before. I thought it was blue. I'd never seen orange before. I'd never seen red, and I was seeing these things. It was very emotional. To make a long story short, those people got my personal information, and they actually purchased the glasses for me. When I got home, there was a gift certificate waiting for me in my email, and they purchased those glasses for me. So I have some very amazing connections with my guests. They're my friends. Actually, that's why I keep doing this. I never know what's unfolding in front of me. It's a brand new day to have these kind of moments. That's why I stay perpetually excited. <laughs> So, Brian, you've been here for quite some time. Have you always been here? Do you have any desire to ever leave this beautiful area? Well, you know, it's funny you ask that because uh, I'll be approached here and there over the years with opportunities that really humble me. I've been offered some pretty big opportunities in other fields, if you will, um, to do what I do. And it was very humbling because it was involving things that would take me away from here and be seen on a much bigger scale. But I always get drawn back to the fact that I couldn't possibly get this kind of emotional reaction from people or this interaction personally, which I need to stay here. I make friends here. It's not a job to me. It's a calling. And I have people that get very close to me. And that couldn't happen if I wasn't doing this in such a manner where guests are brought to me every day. I have an audience in front of me every day and an opportunity to excite them. And when you get involved with somebody for three hours on these tours, you get very personal and they become lifelong, some of these friends. So I've realized it's not always bigger and better. 
It's probably what's right in front of you that can be the most fulfilling and rewarding. And that's what this gorge hike has been to me. It's not a gorge hike. It's a chance to do what I was given as a gift as a child, to radiate the things that I believe I am. And that happens here better than anywhere else I've tried to do this. So other than the gorge hike, if a guest was coming to the homestead and they had only a single day to spend here, what would you recommend to them as the cannot miss activity? The canoeing and the kayaking. The canoeing and the kayaking, uh, once again, you're attached to water. People see pristine, no houses, almost prehistorically beautiful, untouched worlds when they're on our kayaking and canoeing experiences. The lake that we kayak and canoe on has only one house and you rarely ever see it. So you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. If you want to feel like you've completely gotten away from the busy world, this is the place to do that. And those activities draw you into the land of the lost, as I call it. So I highly recommend that. And what's your favorite secret about the homestead? Something that you might realize once you're here on property, but you wouldn't necessarily read about on a website. Well, people always want to get away. You know, uh, they say, well, why do you come here? They say, well, I came to get away from it all. But what happens even when you live here, when you take a look at the bigger picture, is the fact that you're actually being nestled when you come deep, deep, deep into these Allegheny Mountains. When you drive here, you go through layers and layers and layers of valleys to get to this heart of the Appalachia region which is Allegheny Highlands. We're the center of the oldest mountain range in the world. And these mountains encompass the resort. And when you live here, you have mountains all around you and they surround you and the leaf and the canopy over the roadways make you feel very nestled and comforted. When you're in flatlands and open areas, you don't tend to have that same feeling. So the more people come in from cities, the more they feel nestled. And people who live here have that sense of calm and collective when you're in the mountains here. So I think it's a quiet, subliminal thing, again, that's happening where you feel you're almost in a womb here. So I see you have an acorn cap hanging around your neck. Is it possible that's the actual whistle? That is. I carry it every day. Could you give us a demonstration? Oh, I'd be happy to. <laughs> Well, it's how you hold it, and my dad showed me this as a child. But when you hold the acorn cap in front of you like a bowl, and you put it in front of your face with your hands, you blow into a little hole that you've created, and it creates quite the whistle. It looks like there's something else on your necklace as well. What is that? Would you like to describe for us? Well, I carry this all the time as well, and it's called uh, the bird call. This is actually an Audubon bird call, and it's birch wood spinning on metal and when it touches you have uh, the ability to mimic birds which it took me 41 years <laughs> to get these sounds down like a cardinal or a goldfinch or a house finch It's quite amazing and dazzling, and everybody says, I have to have one, <laughs> so I share this every day as well. What other animals can you call? Well, I've learned how to make these sounds also with things like bottle caps, which I happen to have one today, and I can closely mimic the sound of a toad in a pond with a bottle cap. I used to walk up to quiet ponds with my friends and say, watch this, and I could mimic the sound of the toads, and all the toads would sing with me, and it would freak people out. I can still do it, so even the frogs say, how does he do it? Anyway, so I'm gonna show you how to do that. That's from a bottle cap. 
Well, that's all the time that we have for now. Brian, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. My honor and privilege. Learn more about Hidden Treasures at the Homestead by listening to our entire podcast series, available in the property details section of theomnihomestead.com. Or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For exclusive offers on the Omni Homestead and other Omni hotels and resorts, sign up online for select guests. You'll also receive perks when you stay, like free Wi-Fi and complimentary morning beverage delivery to your room beginning on your second stay. Beyond the Tower is a production of the Omni Homestead Resort in Hot Springs, Virginia. The title music, Welcome to My Homestead, is written and performed by David Hill. Executive production by Lynn Swan, production by Altamira, audio engineering by Echo Dog Productions, and hosted by me, Jesse Bruton. Many thanks to all of our talented guests. For more information about how to book your next stay, visit theomnihomestead.com. Thank you.